Thank you for joining us for the Lessons from First Naz podcast. So last week, if you were here, I talked about an issue that we have to know if we're going to follow Christ. We've been actually doing a series on follow, how to follow. If you haven't been here or if you're a visitor, we've been doing it for four weeks throughout the month of September. This is week number four. And last week, I discussed to follow means to fish. They're not separate. They're one thing. If I'm going to follow Christ, he's going to make me into a fisherman. I'm going to have to learn how. I also told you about my youngest daughter and the first time she caught her first co-host, Salmon. Now, what you have to understand, though, is when I drug her out of bed at 5.30 a.m., and I took her down to get in the boat, we didn't just go down, get up, go to the water, and voila, we had a fish. We had to get up. We had to drink our coffee. We had to drive over to our friend's house, grab the rods, get the right lures, Get everything set and ready to go. Make sure everything was in the boat. Make sure the rain gear was in the boat. Make sure everything was all set. And to be honest, we took multiple rods because you don't want to waste time rigging up a rod. You, if you lose something, if you lose something on a big fish, which happens all the time, you have to be able to grab another rod and get it in the water. Or if you want to change the type of using it, we, we sometimes we casted out spinners. Sometimes we trolled and br- pulled spinners around. Sometimes we pulled herring around. Either way, we wanted to be ready and set for what we were going to do because we wanted that fish. We didn't just go, okay, today I'm fishing, done, caught a fish. We had to be ready to go. Today, I want to discuss with you Something that, to be honest, I don't understand. And I probably, in all honesty, shouldn't even be talking to you about it today because I got to admit, it's one of the passages in the Bible that I don't necessarily like because it challenges me and it makes me scared because I'm not good at it. Hence the title, Seriously? Love all people. Yeah, we know we're supposed to. Yeah, that sounds great. But is it really what I know I'm supposed to do? Because, you know, that doesn't make any sense. Loving all people, that doesn't make me feel real comfortable. In fact, if I may, the statement's almost stupid. Because there is no way common sense says I'm going to love the people who beat me up and hurt me every single time I get around them. Every single time I talk to them. They they do say something, they're either critical about what I've done, they either remind me how much better they were at school than me, which if you've heard my past, you understand where I'm going with that. They let me know that... I'm not as as successful as them, at least in their eyes. Why would I want to go and love these people that have hurt my wife, that have hurt my daughters, that have hurt my family? Why would I even want to remotely think of that? That makes no sense to me. And I would be willing to bet you could say the same thing. Because it's not the first thing that comes to mind when someone decks you in the face, oh, I love you. That's not what comes to our mind, and rightfully so. 
However, when you read what this scripture's saying, and we'll get to it in a minute, but it's basically saying, I don't want you to just love your neighbors. I want you to love the people you can't stand. I want you to love the people who annoy the crud out of you. I want you to love the people that every time they talk to you, they let you know how much better they are than you. I want you to love the people that your daughters come home crying or your son comes home crying because of something they said or something they did. I want you to love the people who, while you were gone for the day, broke into your house and stole your precious items. I want you to love the people that no matter what you seem to do, they take advantage of you. Yeah, that makes no sense. Yeah, that's not something that I really want to do. And I completely, fully admit it. I am just looking at it going, really? But see, what you got to understand is what Jesus is really saying here. And and what you got to understand is it's not... Love them the same way that you love your spouse. It's not treat them like they did absolutely nothing wrong. For instance, is this passage, and we'll get to it, but is it really saying that I need to leave my doors unlocked at night so when I'm in bed asleep, the door is wide open with a big sign on it that says, come inside and do whatever you want. Come inside and do whatever you want to me and my family and take whatever you want. That's just fine. Or what about, if I can say something that hit close to home today, what about the guys with the guns in Kenya? Are we supposed to love them? But how? Yeah, we're supposed to love them. But how? Are we just supposed to let them open fire on the person next to us? Because you know what? They feel like it's what they're supposed to do and I'm going to love them. You go right on ahead. No. However, the passage isn't cloudy. It's not unclear. It doesn't say, like I wish it would, I want you to love your enemies unless they do something to you, then you don't have to. It doesn't say, um, you know, be, be, maybe you don't have to love them, just be really nice to them. No. It says, love them. It says, take them and do what you know you're supposed to do. Love them. But how do I love them? But, but how do I do that? But where's that come down? Because, you know, I like what Jesus was saying here. In fact, Aaron, I teach it to my kids. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Great verbs, if that's a verb. Great words. Great idea. We do it all the time. But dad, he hit me. I want you to defend yourself. I don't want you to start a fight. And when it's over, I want you to walk away and I want you to forgive him and forget about it because that's what we do. Great. Here's my question. Do you do it? Do you love your neighbor as you love yourself? Do you do unto others as you'd have them do unto you? That's a scary thought when we actually apply it to our own life. Because we like to say we do. 
We like to say it's who I am, it's what I want, it's what I want for my kids, it's what I, I do. But is it really? We're going to look at Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 48. And I want you to understand, in this section, as well as every other section in this chapter, Jesus is talking, and you got to remember, he's on the Sermon on the Mount here. But as he, every single section here, he starts it out with, you've heard that it was said. You've heard that it's been said. And what you have to understand is what Jesus is doing when he says that, is he's comparing and contrasting what they have come to believe what their ethics, personal ethics are versus what God's ethics are. He's comparing where they're, what they're really believing versus what God says you're supposed to do. So in verse chapter 43, he starts out. The other thing he's doing when he says it in this particular passage, when he says, you've heard that it's been said, he is connecting them connecting these people with the law itself. He's making them understand where they are versus what the law says. Verse 43, you have heard that it's been said, or that it was said, love your neighbors and hate your enemy. Now, you've got to understand something. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. When Jesus was connecting them with the law, they knew what the law said. The law said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's an easy thing to do. So easy, it's almost too difficult for me to believe that that's what God's law really was. So easy that it sounds like these people took love your neighbor And they went, oh, I'm supposed to love my neighbor. Well, my neighbor, those must be the people I like. The people who live next door to me, but not the ones who stay up till 1230 at night yelling with music on. Only the ones that go to bed when I go to bed. My neighbor, the ones I had over for the barbecue, yeah, I can love them. Not the one with the 12-year-old that threw rocks in my swimming pool. Not them. My neighbor... I got it. They then took what they would call the neighbor and they would pick and choose who they wanted to love. In other words, they were making categories of people. They were taking these categories of people, the people that had the same belief system, the people that liked everything they liked, the people that believed the same thing they believed, the people that would come over and just drop by with a dozen roses any day, they would pick them and they'd go, you know what? I like you. Therefore, I love you. Now you other people, the ones who don't believe the same thing I do, the ones who don't enjoy the same things I enjoy, the ones who are doing things that I don't agree with, I don't have to love you. That's what it says. You're not my neighbor. Therefore, I don't have to. That seems like a very easy way to live out God's law. And you know what? I wish I could do it. Because that is easy. That is a piece of cake for me. I can love everybody to the core, no matter what, as long as they agree with everything that I did. 
And these people accepted it as that as the law. Love your neighbor, and they added, hate your enemy. The original law came from Leviticus 19.18. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. The problem is, nowhere in Scripture does it say, hate your enemy. Nowhere. The only spot you're even going to see the words is where Jesus corrects them. It always talks about loving your neighbor. Never, ever hate your enemy. So these people took their categories, they made their categories, and they decided, you know what? This makes sense, so we are going to add to God's law and hate your enemy. Does that sound like something we do? Side note, I do believe we take Scripture all the time and we read it for what we want it to say, not what it really does say. You can ask yourself how many times you do that, but love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Let's add it. Let's add it on because that's got to be what he really meant. He couldn't really mean this thing that makes no sense and that I have to work at doing because this is tough and it's supposed to be easy to follow Christ. Therefore, I am going to add, hate your enemy because that makes more sense that I can do that. I love hating people. It's what they did. There's times that's what we do. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. In verse 44, he goes on to say, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And in one great statement. Jesus changed the course of history for everybody in attendance and for us today. Last week when I was talking to you about to follow means to fish and I told you about the confrontation and I actually yelled at one point what uh, they were saying when they said, whom you crucified, because I believe that there was excitement in the room. In this conversation, I believe it was dead silence when Jesus said this. Mouths probably dropped open. Wait a minute. You're really telling me to love all people? Everybody? Because there's only two types of people. There's my neighbors, the people I love, and there's the people I hate. There's no one really in between. Because frankly, if you don't love them, you hate them. There's no in-between there. Jesus, you can't be serious. I don't want to love everybody. I can't love everybody. Really? You can't love everybody? But, But see, Jesus, remember, when you said love your neighbor, we had an agreement. We were going to make categories of people and then we were going to love the people that was easy, the people that we knew you approved of, the people we knew that you loved, the people that we wanted our kids to be around, the people that we wanted to be around. Jesus, we're on board with that. These categories. Don't forget our categories, Jesus. We have them. I have the category of the people that I'm not supposed to love, the people that I'm supposed to hate, the people who don't get it, the people who don't love you, the people who don't like you, the people who won't even talk about you except when they're cursing and using your name in vain. Those people, Jesus, those are the ones that I don't love. And remember, we had that agreement. What about that? And I can see Jesus going, "Uh uh-huh. 
even them. But remember what they did to me. Yeah. Love them. Love all people. Now, these categories that we talk about, that I believe, and I can see, I shouldn't say I believe, I can see the disciples listing them off to them. But, but, these categories are more common than we like to admit. And I believe that we make categories of people for what we would say very valuable reasons. I also believe that we make categories of things that what we would say are quite ridiculous, or some people would say are quite ridiculous. I'll say it this way. People who buy underage students alcohol, oh, we're appalled. People who sell drugs, we're appalled. Do you realize, though, that we make categories, or people, humans make categories, as things such as your favorite sports team? I kid you not. I have seen a person get knocked out after a football game because they were rooting for the wrong team. It's a category. It's what we do. As simple as a sports team to as big as he raped my daughter. Oh, but I'm supposed to love them? That's what Scripture says. I remember... Remember, guys, I'm telling you, this thing's tough for me. Love all people. Categories. What are the categories you have placed in your mind of people? What are the categories? What category do you have me in? What category do you have Cliff in? What category do you have Dan in? Everybody we put in a category. We do. Either best friend to hardly know them. To dress as nice, doesn't dress nice. Has a job, does financial status, they got the financial status, I'm good there. Poor and homeless, I'm not quite so sure about that. Can I trust them? We have categories all over the place. Here's an example. Because we even put ourselves in categories. Back when I was in college, and I've explained to a lot of you, if you were here on this Sunday, how tough school was for me. I was in homiletics class, which for those of you who don't know, that's where you learn how to write a sermon and preach. I was in the class, got down to the end of the class. The prof told us, on your final next Wednesday, come ready for it. You are going to be sitting in a circle, and we're going to have an oral exam. Sweet. In other words, I'm going to ask you a question, and you have to answer it in front of the whole class. If you can't answer it, the class can back you up on it. However, you do have to, all I heard was you have to answer in front of the whole class. Right then, Don, is there any way I can be sick on that final? Is there any way I can skip out on it and still pass the class? Because man, I am not smart enough. I am not good enough. I do not want to go sit in this round room and have a bunch of people look at me why I am trying to answer a question for them. And whatever I say will dictate how well they do on this grade and how well their classes are. I am okay getting a C-. minus. I just need out of it. They, on the other hand, they want better grades. I don't know what to do here. The day came. I got up. I went. 
I walked in the room. I was banking on the fact he was going to go clockwise with the questions. And I went all the way around the table and sat at the very last chair and waited. He asked first question. You know what my thought was? I know that answer! Why didn't I sit there? The guy answered the question. I hurried up and shot something in and went, I got something in. It's okay. After the fourth person, Dr. Coles looked up. And he you could tell he wasn't feeling real well, but he looks up and he says, you know, I really don't want to be here today. Why don't I give you all an A and we go home? I was out the door before he could say, say another word. I didn't even say yes. I ran. Why? Because I was in that category of, I can't do this. And I can even tell you that we make these categories within these walls. You know what? They are such a good Christian. I know that they can love all people, but I just can't do it. They, they got it all together. I'm just not that Christian. I sure wish I was like Paul Wheelock and figured it out. I sure wish I understood how they can love everybody, because I can't. I sure wish that, that I knew every word of the song, because those people who do, they know it. They're Christians. Man, I wish I could open my Bible and, and read the Scriptures and, and know them the way they do. Man, there are some people who you say two words and they can tell you, oh, that's Luke 5.3. I wish I was that way. I'm just not good enough. We do that inside here all the time. And sometimes, when people walk in the doors of our church... Sometimes we might even have the thought of, what are they doing here? I please, I hope that's not true. But we might have that thought. You know, I saw them last night. They weren't in a good place. Why are they here? So-and-so, their marriage is breaking up. What are we going to do? Sometimes we say prayer requests in the name of prayer, which is actually gossip. Is that loving all people? Is that even loving the people inside our church? Interesting statistic I read this morning. I heard it earlier this week, but I did some double checking and it's true. You know what the number one reason people don't like to go to churches? feel judged and unwanted. Now, I will take a step back and say feel judged. A lot of that can come on yourself. I'm not going to speak on that. But unwanted? How's that? And I'm not just talking about us. I'm talking about churches in general. But how in the world is it that the person we come to worship every Sunday And Bible studies throughout the week, the person we're saying, we want to be like, who flat out said, I tell you, love your enemies. I tell you, love all 
people. How is it that that person we're representing, who we say is the king of kings, who we love with all of our heart, so we say, how is it that people don't even feel welcome when they walk inside to find out who this guy is by the people who represent him the most? Church in general across America is not loving all people, guys. We're not. Because of our categories. Because of where we think we are and where we think we should be. Again, I'm not saying open your home and let people come destroy you and don't intentionally allow people to hurt you. I'm not saying that. But there's got to be a happy medium. One of the hardest things I've ever done in my ministry, it was about five, six years ago when our house was broken into. Is that about right? We went over to Portland for the day. It's an hour away from our house. We never locked our doors. Unless we were leaving town and we locked the front door, left the back door open. It's just, we knew everybody in town. Didn't really matter. I went to youth group that night. Got back in town, went to youth group that night. Staff called me. I go, youth group starts in five minutes. What? Our house was broken into today. Excuse me? Yes, my gum's gone. My gum's gone? We'll talk later. <laughs> Thank you. By the way, when your wife is dead serious about house getting break into, don't laugh when she says your gum's gone. It's not a good scenario. I got home. Later on that night, sure enough, the cops were at the next door neighbor's house. Walked in and she said, our camera's gone, our, your iPod's gone. Um, found a couple other things. Long story short, at 3.30 in the morning, the people who did it were captured. Um, they said they didn't do it. The cop turned on my camera and got all their self-portraits with everything they stole. Um, neighbors! Eighth grader and a sophomore went to our church, came to our youth group. They were sentenced and all this fun stuff, and they had to stay either in their house or a hundred yards away from the Middleton family or residence. Yes. Until it hit me. They can't come to church. Really? That was another seriously, God. So I called Dan, the juvenile department head, whose daughter was in my youth group as well. Dan, we got a problem. He goes, Wednesday night, huh? Yeah. He goes, thought of that. So they made an exception, unless they're at church. Senior projects come up within two weeks. You can get an early jump on it as long as you're in high school. The older boy comes to me. Um, can I paint a wall for senior projects in the youth room? Really? Every part of me. No! By the way, stay away from my daughters too. 
Um, love all people. I don't like it. Don't want to do it. I want to stay as far away as I possibly can. Because you know what? Loving all people, all that does is tell them that it's okay what they did. All that does is make them go, ha ha, I can do this anytime I want. No, that's what we think. Loving all people shows them who Christ really is and the love Christ really has for us. Verse 45. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes His Son to, excuse me, to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? Three things that come from these verses. First, by loving all people, it's going to make you a child of God. Second, it's going to make you like God. And third, it's going to make you different from the rest of the world. Oh, I can love the people who love me. That's even what the tax collectors do. That's what the pagans do. That's what the people who don't even know who Christ is. Last week I said, when you choose to follow Christ, he's going to make you into something. He's going to change you to become something. Loving all people, that's one of those things. Loving all people is different from what you used to be. That whole turn the other cheek thing, tough, not something I like, something I'm supposed to do. Because he wants us to show others who he really is. He wants us to be able to stand up, be different than everybody else, and love all people. But then there's a kicker. There's a kicker that goes back to verse 44 that frankly, I can't understand, and I'm not quite sure I like, but I know I've got to, and i got to tell you it works. He says, Pray for them. Really? But I want them to be miserable. Pray for them. When we pray for people, our heart changes. Why are we praying for them? For them. But it's an amazing thing what God will do in you when you do it. Your heart will change, and you'll be wanting to see the good in them. You'll be wanting them to be able to see who Christ is, and they will by your forgiveness, by your willingness to pray for the good in their life. Pray that God changes them. Pray that God changes their heart. Pray that God opens up their eyes to see who he really is. All of a sudden, you start looking at it going, they're changing. And you start figuring out how to love them. Because really, we don't want to be the same as the people who don't even know who Christ is. We talk about that all the time. We want to change hearts. We want people to turn and follow Christ. Maybe we need to start loving them into the kingdom. Verse 48. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, I've studied the Greek. I've read the commentaries. Because I wanted to know what he meant by be perfect 
as your heavenly Father is perfect. You want to know what they all said? Be perfect. Really? But Aaron, I'm not perfect. I'm not a perfect human. No, but you can strive to be. Jesus loved all people. My actions and my response may not always be a loving response. May not always be the top of the line where it needs to be. But you know, Jesus had a heart that loved everybody. And I may lose my temper. And I may say, do, act some things that I shouldn't. But if my heart is still loving people, even though my actions are just releasing frustration at the time, I'm doing what I can to be perfect. And those actions aren't right. Don't get me wrong. But man, I come back around to loving someone a whole lot more when I'm striving to be what Christ wants. And I'm striving to be perfect as Christ says to be perfect. You want an example of striving to be perfect? Eight years ago, I was informed of this gal. Names don't matter. But I was informed of this gal who was being stalked by this guy one night. He walked up behind her. She couldn't get away. And he chose to rape her. And she fought. And she fought. And she fought. And when she couldn't fight any longer, as the rape was occurring, she screamed out, God, be with this man and forgive him, for he knows not what he's doing. Just forgive him, Father. The man was later caught, sent to prison. She went to see him repeatedly in prison and brought him to the Lord. Think she was happy? Yeah, she was happy he became a Christian. Think she was happy what was happened to her? No. I can't even tell you that I do that. I can tell you what run through my mind. What my reaction would want to be but here's a gal who said, you know what? I want to be perfect. And, and I, I'm not, but I'm going to do everything I can to show this person who Christ is. And she fought and fought and fought and fought and finally said, okay, I'm not getting away. So I'm going to pray for him. I don't enjoy hearing that. I do enjoy hearing he came to know the Lord. But when it comes to us and our problems, and we think of a woman who was raped, and we think of Christ who was beaten, still loved all people. He did it for all people. I just look at that. Why can't I? Why can't we? Why can't we take all these categories we have, throw them to the side, and say, I'm going to love all people. Please don't misunderstand me. I understand that there's people you're going to like, and there's going to be people you love. Get it. I understand it. I'm not saying you shouldn't have close friends. Please don't take me to that extreme. 
But here's an example, and this is straight out of the AIV, but here's an example of what I believe Jesus is talking about here. Jesus died on the cross. Who were the first people he went to see when he got off? The disciples. People he liked, the people he was always around. Did Jesus die on the cross for the disciples any more than he died for the man who was flogging him? He loved him. Jesus had friends. Still died for everybody the exact same as he died for you and me. How would your life be different if you chose to love all people? And I can hear it in your mind right now. Aaron, I can love all people except love all people. How would your life be different? And I'm going to beg the ask the question, how would your family be different? How would your church be different? How would the world be different if we chose to love all people and let God work in their life. Would you bow your head close your eyes? Threw out a big challenge today. See, fishing's pretty easy. I told you we were going to learn how to fish today, and we did. We got to love all people. It's pretty simple, but why is it so hard? I want, to get, I want to pray for you guys. But I have a feeling that God has spoken to you about someone that you need to be loving today that you're not. Whether it be forgiveness, whether it be bitterness, whatever it is. If God has spoken to you today and you want me to be praying for you, would you just lift your hand? Let me know. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see that. I got it. It is completely possible to love all people, love them to Christ, and it's completely possible to pray for them and see what God does in you. Father, I thank you today for what you've done. Father, you opened up doors in our minds, and it doesn't feel great. In fact, it it makes us all feel quite uncomfortable to look at the things, the people that have offended us, the people that have hurt us, the people that have done things to us that we don't even want to repeat and to realize that we have to love them. Father, I pray that you will show us and give us opportunities to do that. Father, even if it's just us starting with praying for him, help us to do that. Help us to understand and see that what you say isn't impossible. It might be difficult, but it's not impossible. And with you by our side, we can do it. Father, help us to be different from those who don't know you. Help us to see that you're just trying to change us and allow us to be changed. Father, we thank you for your love. Guide us today, direct us, and Father, allow us 
to love all people. In thy name we pray. Amen.